Jesus said that we're to wake up every day and seek first the kingdom of God. Every day. Not just Sunday, but every day we wake up. And if we're to seek the kingdom, that means that we're to seek those opportunities that spread his kingdom in this earth. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. All this year, we are looking at, hello, back in the back. (laughs) Awesome. Ye who love the darkness, repent. Here we go. All this year, we've been focusing on our relationship with God, going one-on-one with Him every single day. And out of that love relationship, then reaching someone with the gospel. Today, I want to give you a message from God's Word on the keys to reaching your one. Now, how many of you, especially in the early service, how many of you spent most of your morning looking for your keys? Anybody out there have that struggle? Oh, way too organized. All right, I guess it'll be in the next hour that we find that. I'm always, it seems like, looking for my keys. Of course, I've got a lot of people in the household throwing the keys around, moving the cars around. And it seems like if we're not careful, it's very easy to misplace those keys. Well, is that true for us as the body of Christ? Have we misplaced the keys to reaching our one? As we look into this sermon series, every day we wake up, we are reminded that God has placed before us kingdom opportunities. Every day, not just occasionally, but every day. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said that we're to wake up every day and seek first the kingdom of God. Every day. Not just Sunday, but every day we wake up. And if we are to seek the kingdom, that means that we are to seek those opportunities that spread his kingdom in this earth. The kingdom of God is where Christ rules as king. That opportunity before he returns literally again is given to his church, you and me, to be able to share the gospel with people who don't know him as king, whose sin is their king, whose selfishness is their king, but needs the king of kings to set them free. Majority of the people we encounter on a daily basis are not a part of the kingdom. The majority of the people. Now, they may be churchgoers. They may be familiar with Jesus' name. But that doesn't mean that they are a part of his kingdom. We are to seek those kingdom opportunities every single day. We are to be an opportunistic church. Now, you've heard the example, don't put the slide up yet, guys, but you've heard the different perspectives in life, and it's always taught through the glass of water. Remember that? Remember that parable? There is the pessimist who sees the glass barely half full. There is the optimist who sees it uh, half full or more than half full and the ability to fill up even more. There's the realist that just says, that's a glass of water that has half full and half empty. But then there's the opportunistic perspective. You might see it now in this slide. Take a look at what it says. It says, Dear Optimist, Pessimist, and Realist, while you were arguing about the glass of water, I drank it. (laughs) Signed, The Opportunist. Well, that's the reality that we're talking about is we can be pessimistic. Oh, they'll never come to know Christ. Oh, they're too far gone. Uh, We can be uh, optimistic. Man, I can change every single life I encounter. And we can be overzealous. We can be realists and understand that there are some who will come to faith and some who don't. But let's make sure we are opportunistic, that we are seizing the keys to reaching our one every single day. Go to Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. I want to show you a picture of the opportunistic church. 
those that wake up and seek first the kingdom of God. That they don't just seek to go to church once a week and call that done, but every day they live, they live with a kingdom perspective. And Jesus taught us this. He said, you are to ask and it will be given you. You're to seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Three things in that passage we are told to do on a daily basis. Number one, we're to ask. We're to ask. And Jesus even taught us to pray. He said, you ought to pray and ask that thy kingdom come. In other words, that God would become king of people's lives. That his kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. We're to ask. And, and daily we should be asking the king for his kingdom assignments. When you woke up this morning, was that your first prayer? Lord, I'm showing up for duty. Lord, today I want to seek first your kingdom. And Lord, I pray today that you would give me a kingdom assignment. That's asking. Then seeking. Seeking is where I look for those kingdom opportunities. I believe I go out into my day looking proactively, knowing God's going to answer that prayer. Knowing that he will show me that person or intersect my life with another that needs the one who can transform their life. And then knock. He says, knock and it will be open to you. That speaks of an open door. Pursuing those doors that are in front of us that only God can open that no man can shut. And so as we dig in to this reality of seeking God daily, looking for those kingdom opportunities, I want you to hear how simple it really can be. Michelle Delau, where's Michelle? Michelle, come on up. Michelle's going to share a testimony this week. I hope often that you'll be hearing from different people, not just the preacher, about the opportunities God places before us on a daily basis. Microphone right there. And you are on a three-minute time limit. We'll see what God does. That will be the miracle right there. I told him. Is it on? Testing. Okay, can you hear me? All right, two weeks ago, Lana and I went to Branson to uh, go see Jesus, and I highly recommend that at the Sight and Sound Theater if you have an opportunity. We stopped in Springfield uh, for a couple of days, and uh, we stayed at the La Quinta Hotel. Well, I don't sleep well in hotels or motels, and so I usually wake up about midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning, and I usually go downstairs and watch TV in the lobby. And uh, when I got there, the TV was off, but I, I saw a young lady behind the counter who's the night clerk. And uh, for the, some of you that know me, I can talk to a tree. So uh, I said, good evening, and she was uh, reading a book, and I asked her what she was reading, and she told me. Her name is Kelly. She's a single lady of 36 years old, and I asked if I was bothering her, and she said no. Um, she said, no, it's good to talk to someone. It helps me stay awake, and I was not one of those creepy people that came down to visit with her. Good to know I'm not a creepy person. <laughs> we continued that visit when I finally said, where do you go to church? She told me that she does not go to church, and I asked, well, why is that? She says, when I was young, my mother and father divorced, and my mother belonged to every church you can think of. She was a Catholic this week, a Presbyterian next week, a, a Protestant the next week, and it just went on and on. I finally decided I don't want any part of that. And I said, okay, well, I can understand that uh, you would get confused by all that. So I asked her permission if I could share my faith with her. So for the next 15 or 20 minutes, I shared God's love for her and wanted her to go to heaven and spend eternity with God. I did not preach to her or rattle off a bunch of scriptures to her because she's never been churched, and that would have just uh, turned her off. I knew that I wasn't going to go from zero to hero in 15 minutes, but I did lay the groundwork. I let her know that uh, we were leaving tomorrow morning, 
and will probably never see her again because this is the first time I've been to uh, Springfield. She works from 11 at night to 7 in the morning. She never learned how to drive a car. And I said, why did you not learn how to drive? She says, my home life was not good, and I never learned. I said, well, how do you get to work? She says, I take a taxi every morning or every evening and take a taxi home. So I asked her permission if I could give her a call every now and then and just to continue to visit with her. And she gave me that permission. So last Wednesday around 4 a.m. when I get up early uh, to go work out, I gave her a call at the hotel and I said, Kelly, guess who this is? And she said, it's Michelle. And I said, yes, it is. So we had some small talk for about five minutes and she was preparing breakfast for her guests. And I asked her if I was bothering her. And again, she said, no, you're cool. I wanted her to call my wife and tell her that, but <laughs> I ended the visit with knowing, I said, you know, Kelly, I know you're busy, but let me, let me let you know that I'm praying for you. And she says, well, thank you for that. And then I'll call you again next week. This is going to be a long process of many phone calls over many months, but I believe that this was a divine intervention that God placed her in my path to talk to. Last Thursday, number two, last Thursday, I went to the post office. I was gone the previous week to mail some mail. I was there about 7 a.m. and to mail some large envelopes. While standing next to the machine that you buy stamps for, the janitor walks out. And he's singing and seems to be very happy. And I said, good morning. And he said, well, good morning back. What are you singing? And he was trying to learn a new song. I committed to... Uh, he, he committed to me that says, I, I was happy also. So he stopped and asked me a question. What makes you the happiest? Well, I had to think about that for a minute. And I was going to add a word to that. And I says, what makes me the happiest and at peace? Can I add that word? And he goes, well, yeah. He agreed. And I said, the happiest and peace is when I'm in my office at home reading the Bible and communicating with God. And he goes, wow. You cut my legs off at my knees. I wasn't expecting that at all. And I says, then I asked him, he says, are you a pastor? And I said, no, I'm an insurance agent. And he says, <laughs> but I didn't talk to him about insurance. <laughs> but I know without a doubt that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Do you know that? And his response is, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not real sure about that because I'm a sinner. And I said, sir, we're all sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But I want you to know that it's a free gift from God. Where do you go to church? Well, he went to church regularly and unregularly. He knew about Jesus. So I asked him if he wanted me to pray with him right now so he would know for sure that if he died, he'd go to heaven. He was not sure about that right now. So I said, look, my office is one mile down the road on Rockwell. You'll see the sign. You can come and see me anytime you want to if you have any questions about salvation or God, and I will be glad to sit down with you and visit with you about that. You never know what God's going to put in front of you in your path because I do believe in divine intervention, but be prepared. Don't be afraid to talk to people because when you open your mouth, God will put the words in there for you to say because everybody's at a different path in their life, and you just can't be a Bible thumper because people get turned off by that. What I'm finding is there's just a lot of hurting people right now in the world. People have lost their job. They can't pay their bills. They're trying to keep their family together. They're sitting at home with their wives and the three kids, and they've been that way for a year. 
They're all about going, they're looking for something to hook on to. They can't look to Washington, that's a mess. They can't look to city officials. They're looking for something, and we know what that something is. It's that hole that God put in us, and the only thing you can fill that with is Jesus. I'm starting to preach now, so I'll quit. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Awesome. He is a preacher. He hasn't been to seminary. You don't have to go to seminary to be a preacher. But the Bible says, how will they know unless they hear? And how will they hear unless a preacher is sent? That isn't a professional staff member at a church. That is someone who proclaims the good news. What was beautiful when I heard this story this week from Michelle, he was all excited about those opportunities, those doors that had been opened. And notice the first door while he's on vacation. You know, there's no vacation from the gospel. There is none. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. God still opens doors, even while you're on vacation. Or when you're doing menial tasks, like dropping off mail at the post office, there are still doors that kick wide open. We have to be able to see those doors. Let me show them to you. Revelation chapter 3, and we got to catch up here. Revelation 3, and Michelle, well done, well done. Holy cow, I had another 15 minutes slotted for you. All right. Look at verse 7. I preached this passage when I first came in view of a call 10 years ago. Talking about a door of opportunity that only God could open. Take a look at it. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David. Now that phrase is important, key of David. It comes out of Isaiah 22, verse 22. Uh, when you had the keys in those days, that meant you had the authority over the palace or the stewardship of your master's dwelling, that was the importance of the keys. And David had been promised that through his lineage, there would always be a king who would rule forever through his lineage. Jesus was the answer to that prophecy. Jesus said, he who is holy, that's Jesus. Who is true, who has the key of David, that's Jesus. Who opens and no one will shut. Who shuts and no one opens says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I've put before you an open door which no one can shut. Why? Because you have a little power. You have followed my word and you've not denied my name. Three things that are pointed out here out of this particular area of the book of Revelation. He commends them for who they were being in the earth. They were kingdom seekers. The first thing he notices is that they had power. Now he says a little power, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit. It was power beyond their strength. They were demonstrating what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what we learn out of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, when we receive the Holy Spirit, it was prophesied that we would become his witnesses. Number two, he points out, and you followed my word. In other words, they lived life one-on-one -on -one with God. They weren't legalistic. They weren't just keeping the rules, the do's, and the don'ts of their faith. They were living faithfully. They were spending time in the Word, and the Word was alive in them, and the Word was going forth in their testimony. And the third thing we see here that was commended, he says, and you did not deny my name. It could have been very easy for Michelle just to have a good conversation with the night desk clerk and just make her day a little brighter. It could have been easy for him to just have a regular conversation with the janitor at the post office and talk about what's going on in the world, and yet he talked about the one who created the world. An open door, an opportunity to walk through that door and to not deny the name of Christ, but share the name of Christ. You don't have to turn here, but Matthew 16, 19, Jesus, as he asked his disciples, who does the world say that I am? 
And they had all kinds of goofy answers. And then he asked them, who do you say that I am? And as Peter would profess Christ, the living God, he would say, only the Holy Spirit could reveal that to you. And Peter, by the way, upon this rock I will build my church, not the person of Peter, but that profession of faith. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, I'm going to entrust to you the stewardship of my kingdom. You get the keys. You're in charge. I'm entrusting you to be a part of spreading my kingdom in all the earth. You have the keys to reaching your one. And what are those keys? Very quickly, write these down. Number one, one key to seeking the kingdom of God is to look around. Remember what we learned in Matthew? He said, seek first the kingdom. To seek something means you're looking. You are directionally trying to discover. You have to look around. You need to ask God, God, open my eyes. Could have been very easy for Michelle to walk down into that lobby and see there was no TV on. Could have been easy to go to the front desk and say, hey, can I have the remote control? It could have been easy for him just to channel surf all night long and please himself and be entertained in the moment. But he had the opportunity because his eyes were open and he was looking for someone to share with. We need to see the opportunities that are before us. And only God can open our eyes to see it. If you want to turn over to John chapter 4, we've been here often. John chapter 4 and verse 3, let Jesus model that reality. Jesus modeled, even for his own disciples, what it meant to look around. If you're going to reach your one, you need to be looking around. You need to be looking into their life. You need to be looking at what they're dealing with, and you need to be looking for opportunities. We get to John chapter 4, verse 3. It's the famous passage of the woman at the well. And it says that Jesus left Judea and went away again to Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria. Now, that's important because Jews didn't go through Samaria. Jews took the bypass. They had a 240 in their day. And they would not uh, go through the unholy of holies. Uh, That was Samaria, the half-breed town. They went around. They rejected those people. But Jesus had to go there. He had to pass through Samaria. He didn't have to, but he had to. Why was that? He could have gone around like everybody else, but the Father was directing his path. He had to go to Samaria. Michelle had to go into that lobby. He had to uh, contact that janitor and, and open up a door for a gospel conversation because that's the Lord leading, if you have eyes to see. Verse 5. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus tired from his journey, was sitting by the well. Now, this is his break. But let me remind you, just like we said earlier, there's no vacation from your kingdom purposes. There's no time out and there's no breaks either. There are always doors of opportunity. There he was sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour, midday. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, now notice this, when Jesus saw her coming, Jesus had eyes to see what nobody else could see. Everybody else who saw this woman in town saw her as a lowlife, as a loose living woman, as a potential threat to their husbands, because she'd had five husbands before, and the one she was with now wasn't even her husband. She had a terrible community reputation. And a matter of fact, in that day, a man could never engage 
a woman, especially a woman like this. And yet Jesus didn't live according to the cultural norms. He was not here to be politically correct. He was here to be the shepherd and the king of kings of people's hearts. He saw this woman and he saw her need. It wasn't just a physical need. She'd come because she needed water, but he was able to see deeper. As you pray for your one every day, certainly the first week of every month, that's our emphasis as well, but as you pray for that one every day, are you allowing God to open your eyes to see their needs? What is that unique need in their life? When I was growing up, the unique need for me was, was I had an empty life. I had lots of stuff, but there was an emptiness in my heart. And I kept plugging stuff in and more stuff and more stuff, and yet it never satisfied. When until, as Michelle said earlier, there's that God-shaped void that only Jesus can fill. That was my need. Her need was living water, where she would never thirst again. And Jesus took the opportunity because he saw through the Father's eyes, he saw her needs, and he saw the opportunity to have a gospel conversation. Do you see how he worked it? What's interesting is that he saw what others didn't see. The disciples didn't see it. You know why the disciples didn't see it? Because they were in town looking for food. They were Baptists, apparently, right? They were starving. They were hungry. But notice Jesus didn't take the break. The disciples did. Jesus had different food. Look at verse 27. Then later, the disciples came back, and they were amazed that he'd been speaking with a, with a woman. Yet no one said, what are you seeking, or why are you speaking with her? They didn't have the guts, but inside they're like, man, Jesus, what in the world is he doing? Does he not understand that's out of bounds? No, Jesus was showing them that's in bounds. Every soul, every one needs to know the one. Doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter where they're from. And Jesus was able to see into that need. Notice they didn't ask the question, what are you seeking? I think that's pretty interesting verbiage, isn't it? You see, Jesus was always seeking. And Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus told us we are to seek first the kingdom. All of us should be seeking those open doors and those opportunities. Go to verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, you've got to eat. I don't know if that was their guilt and thinking, man, we got full bellies and you've had nothing to eat. Maybe they were trying to get him and maybe it was out of genuine concern. But Jesus said to them, watch this. I have food to eat that you don't know about. You mean we had to go walking all the way into town and you had a stash of Twinkies? What in the world? Are you kidding me? You got food and we had to go get food? And Jesus unpacks it even more. Look at what he says. I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat. Jesus said to them, my food, watch this, underline it. This ought to be our life statement every day. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus said, man, I've never missed a meal. I've got food that you know not of. How sad is that? And I would tell you there are many in the body of Christ today that don't have that nourishment, that don't have that meal plan. We're so busy going and getting food. We're so busy going and getting what we want and what we think we need that we have missed the most important thing. The food for our soul is doing the will of God who sent us and accomplishes work. 
Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and so shall we. Look at verse 35. It's interesting. As he talked about the work of God, he then unpacks it in this parable and says, Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes, observe the fields. They are white unto harvest. Apparently in this season, as they were growing their crops, they were several months away from the harvest. And Jesus used that moment and say, hey, I, I understand you think the harvest is somewhere out there that you got time, but I want you to look at souls. I want you to, to look around. And when you look around and when you see like this woman at this well and you see that man there in that shop and you see your neighbor, the fields are white under harvest. It's very easy to think in America that there's, everybody's been saved, everybody knows the gospel, we live in the buckle of the Bible belt, and there's just nobody to share Jesus with. Well, that's been proven wrong, and that was proven wrong in Jesus, because Jesus lived in the hub of all religion, and everywhere he went, he went looking around. Can you see what God sees? Can you look into that one person's life, and can you see that their soul is ripe for the picking? Can you see how to pray for them? Can you see those around you that have a need? So I challenge you, look differently. When you're driving around, when you're driving back through your neighborhood, look around. Look and see different things that are going on in your neighborhood and watch for opportunities where you live. You may see a yard full of kids' toys. Well, you know that's an opportunity to reach out to a younger family and maybe engage them in the ministries of our children's ministry here at the church and use that as a bridge to connect with them. You might see a uh, sold sign at a house, and then you might see a U-Haul drive up. What a great opportunity to step into that need. Look around. Look for those opportunities. They are all around us. Number two, very quickly, the second key to reaching your one is not just looking around, but you got to listen up. Listen up. Go to Acts chapter 8 and verse 5. Quickly, Acts chapter 8, verse 5. This is a story of Philip. And in this story, you know the story of him reaching the Ethiopian eunuch, but I want you to see how he got there. How did he reach that one with the gospel? Well, he looked around for opportunities and he listened up. Listen to this. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Oh, he's back in that same region where Jesus had been. Isn't that interesting? And he began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds were paying attention with one mind to what was being said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. Look at verse 8. And there was much rejoicing in that city. We can look around in the cities of our nation today and we see misery. We see divisiveness. We see fighting. We see injustice. Why do we not see rejoicing? Because the church is going to church and remaining silent. He was seeking, he was sharing, and the city was responding. Go down to verse 25. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem, and they were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. What you see here is as they were heading back to Jerusalem, they didn't change their kingdom perspective. Everywhere they went, they found opportunities to share Christ in every village with all kinds of different people wherever they were. We might be heading to the store. They were heading to Jerusalem, but they found opportunities to share. 
We might be heading to the store, but God is opening a door if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. We might be going to work or to school this week, but I want you to understand, while yes, you're doing that, it is for a bigger purpose. God is placing you right where he wants to place you so that you can be his mouthpiece and that his kingdom could come to somebody's heart. You might be heading out to lunch today. Somebody said amen. There we are, going for the food again. And I wonder, as you go to get your food, will you be living out the food that most don't know about? Doing the will of the Father? And finding that one person who you can bless with a story, with a testimony. Look at verse 26. He kept listening. For an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Put the brakes on. You need to get ready and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza, which was a desert road. Now here's the beautiful thing about Philip. He was a bold witness, but the reason he was so bold is because he could look around and see the doors, but he also listened up. And he was always engaged and let the Holy Spirit and the, 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 the will of God permeate his life and his heart. And he hears this message from God delivered by an angel in this case. It says, no, you're going to go a different direction. Whoa, 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 I'd start arguing, wouldn't you? Now, maybe you didn't notice. This has been a fruitful journey. Uh, we've been leading scores of people to Christ, and you're going to send me down a desert road? What a waste. The people live in the cities. There's no people out in the desert. What are you doing? You don't question God. You look around, and you listen up. And if God tells you to go to the post office at 7 in the morning, power to you, I'm still sleeping. But if you've got to go there at 7, you go. Listen up. He was being directed and his directions were changing because he didn't lean on his own understanding. He, didn't do, he wasn't doing what seemed right. He was letting God guide and direct in verse 27. So he got up and he went. And all of a sudden on this desert road appears an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. He was in charge of all of her treasure, a man of influence, but a man who God was speaking to, and God put someone, Philip, in the path of this one, the Ethiopian eunuch, and God knew what he was doing. He opened a door of opportunity. And if Philip hadn't been looking around, and if Philip hadn't been listening up, he would have missed it. And he would have remained where he was rather than where he needed to be. Are you looking for opportunities? Are you listening and saying, God, where would you direct my path this day? And let me give you the third key as we close. You look around, you listen up, but you do have to lead out. Take a look at it, verse 30. So Philip ran up, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how could I unless somebody guides me? Philip saw this was his God opportunity. There was only one reason he was on that road that day. There's only one reason, and that was that soul. And he stopped everything and pursued the God-opened door. What door is going to be open for you this afternoon and tomorrow and the days ahead? Will you see it? Will you hear it? And will you run through it? 
Philip ran to that chariot. He couldn't wait to get to that person. And he opened his, look at this, verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me. Tell me of what I have to do. Tell me what this means. Of himself? Is this of himself or someone else? And Philip opened his mouth and began from the scriptures to preach Jesus to him. He didn't just pray for him. He just didn't have compassion for him. He let out and he challenged him biblically. He broke out the two-edged sword and he spoke into the need of his heart. It's not enough just to look and to listen, but we also have to lead out and speak out. Look at the rest of verse 36 and we close. And they went along the road and they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he ordered that the chariot stop. They both went down to the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord, watch this, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. As we look in on the end of the story, he was obedient. He had that God assignment. He reached his one with the gospel, but he was still listening. And God snatched him away to the next kingdom assignment. And we get down to verse 40. Philip would find himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he kept preaching. Why? Because that was his new opportunity. Why? Because he was seeking first the kingdom didn't matter what day it was, there were opportunities. It didn't matter where he was, Samaria, a desert road, or now in this new area of Israel, there were always opportunities. Not just for Philip, but for you and for me. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the keys to reaching your one, look around. Look through the eyes of your Lord and Savior. Look through a kingdom perspective. Listen up. Listen upward. Listen from heaven. Receive your instructions from your commander-in-chief. Don't listen to your problems. Don't listen to your peers. Don't listen to your politicians. Don't listen to the public square. Listen up. And then take the initiative and lead out. Now this morning, as you were gathered here, or perhaps worshiping with us online, maybe the Lord is speaking to you today, and he's revealed to you, you don't know the Lord, that you're one of those ones, like the Ethiopian eunuch. He had the word of God in his lap, but he didn't know the Lord of the word in his heart. And maybe that's you today. Maybe today you need to be saved. Maybe today you're trying to figure out who is God and what does that mean in your life, and God's word would reveal to you today, like uh, Michelle said earlier, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our sin would separate us from his holy love, but he so loved you, he sent his only begotten son to be the payment for your sin and mine. A gift, a gift that was given from heaven, a high price that was paid, his life he laid down. He paid off your debt. Wages of sin is death. Jesus became that on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again to be the firstborn to prove that he was God and that death and the grave had no ownership. He had already paid the price. And he paved the way for you to know the Lord. If that's never happened for you right where you are. You could pray and say, Lord, save me. 
Lord, like that Ethiopian eunuch, I, I believe. And Lord, I need you to save me from my sin right now. And he will. He did for the Ethiopian eunuch. He will for you. He did for the woman at the well. And he will for you as well. If you just prayed just now, or maybe you have questions, you can fill out a communication card. You can get a hard copy out of the back of one of those chairs. You can go on our app, Church Center app, and fill out the communication card there. You can drop off a hard copy in our offering towers. You can email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. We'd love to rejoice with you, and we'd love to take the next step in your journey, just like Philip did with the Ethiopian eunuch. But I know there are many in this space. You've come to know the Lord. But your food has been your food. It's been a natural appetite you've been living for, not a kingdom appetite. Do you know the food that Jesus was speaking of? Is your food every single day your desire to do the will of the Father? I ask you this question. When was the last time you missed a meal? Probably been a long, long time. How many kingdom meals have we skipped? God, forgive us. But God, fill us with your spirit. May we be your kingdom people. Father, I pray. I pray right now, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we would look around, that you would open our ears, that we would listen up, that we would let you guide us every single day, and Lord, that we would speak up, lead out in the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.